Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me on this Thursday afternoon. It is January 6th, 2022. I am JD from New York. And this is off the script, man. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Thursday afternoons, wherever you may be. We got a lot to go over today, man. We got a lot to go over today. I had made the decision to not go over all of the releases yesterday as they came in because I knew that there was going to be more. And as I opened my eyes this morning, there was yet another release, which fortunately was the last one that was reported. And that is Gabe Sapolsky. He is now gone from WWE. He is now actively removed from his duties in NXT. And I wanted to make a video yesterday, but I just had a feeling that this was not going to be it. And I wanted to wait till all the names came out and I wanted to gather everything into one video. I didn't want to do something and then there's like six other releases. I didn't want to do any of that, man. I wanted to gather all my information and I got a ton of information for you guys today. The thing is, you know, It's a situation 
that really bothers me. This entire situation bothers me, man. You know, I, I don't like, because I take my job very seriously. And all I ever wanted was a better product. I, I feel like I am a lone wolf in this community who really wants to stand up top the mountain and shout the loudest because I know I'm right. And I know I'm right on the majority of things and just nobody hears me. Nobody hears me when I speak. You know, I'm verified on Twitter. It doesn't really mean a lot. I love that I'm verified because it really is a symbol of my hard work and my grind. But I see a lot of people verified on Twitter and they're all cut from the same cloth. You know, I, I don't really know if they're fans or if they're just in it for clout or they're in it to build their brand and then get out of professional wrestling. They're just in it for the next interview or the next opportunity to maybe be on a WWE panel. You know, I never really desired any of these things. As many people in the community that think I'm on Tony Khan's payroll, I, I, I don't care about getting a job with AEW. I don't. Would I accept a position in AEW under Tony Khan or would I love to be a part of what he's building? Absolutely. I mean, I'd love to be a part of any promotion, not, not just AEW, who's building something that is great and promising. I do this because I love it. I love professional wrestling. I only want the best for everybody involved and for the shows that we're watching. A lot of people take what I say and my negativity as, oh, JD's hating on WWE, but he never says anything bad about AEW, which is a complete fairy tale. It's a complete mockery of what I do and... It's a great way to weed out the fucking idiots out there because clearly you're not watching my show. I mean, just just last night, Jesse and I absolutely shit on Jade Cargill and Ruby Soho. We absolutely shit on the fucking death-defying acts of the Lucha Brothers, or I did anyway. He enjoyed the match. And the Jurassic Express. I don't come on here every week and praise AEW. That's a great way to show me that you're not listening to the show. How do I know people aren't listening to the show when they say that I don't criticize AEW? I mean, you could just rewind the clock less than 24 hours, and I was shitting for 15 minutes at least, and I posted a 10-minute clip of it on Twitter today for me shitting on the TBS final match. So I don't really get this narrative. Like, where are you coming from with this shit? Really? The check marks on Twitter, man. I, I was never a part of that group. I wasn't. I'm a check mark now, but I never really was going to steer myself into the fucking shill category. Oh, because I got a check mark now, I got to tone my attitude down. No, 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 no. In fact, I'm going to make my voice even louder. I may do it in a little bit more of a cutthroat way. I'll slice and dice you up. But I'm not going to sit here like I was five years ago and be a fucking amateur and just come on here and sit in front of a microphone and scream my fucking head off while my neighbors are banging, shut the fuck up. That's the old JD. I'm a little bit old, I'm a little bit more older, I'm a little bit more wiser, I'm a little bit more mature when it comes to what I got to do here. 
But the check marks on social media, man, it, it really pains me. And this is a very sensitive subject. It really is a very sensitive subject for me. I hate when I get called out on something that I know I'm right on. People are delusional. People are just not in the know. People are asking me, how do you know? How do you know this? How do you know that? Shawn Michaels is in charge. I'm like, watch the fucking show. Watch the show. Do you want to know? And this has nothing to do with me knowing anybody in NXT. Do you want to know how I know? Shawn Michaels has worked alongside Triple H before he was fired from NXT. Because that's exactly what happened. Triple H was fired from NXT. Shawn Michaels worked alongside Triple H in NXT for how long? Years, right? Training, molding. Then he sat in Gorilla. He was learning how to produce. Triple H even put Shawn Michaels in charge of NXT UK. Go over there. And there was a reason why Triple H put Shawn Michaels in charge of NXT UK. Because Triple H, he felt at the time he was going to take over WWE. Everything was a work in progress. Shawn Michaels is going to go to NXT UK. I'm going to take care of NXT here with Regal and Bloom and Sarah Amato and Brian uh, James, Road Dog, and everybody else, Gabe Sapolsky and Jeremy Borash. Triple H had his team. He gave Shawn Michaels his own team. There was a working order in NXT that when Triple H was going to be called upon, he felt like he was going to be called upon, foolishly now looking back at it, Nobody's taking over Vince McMahon's spot unless the Grim Reaper comes and fucking does us all a goddamn fucking favor. But Triple H is prepping himself to take over the main roster. Shawn Michaels would then come over and take Triple H's spot. And then Shawn Michaels would appoint somebody that he trusts wholeheartedly to take over NXT UK. There was a system there. There was a complete system in place. But I hate when people tell me that, oh, Shawn Michaels is in charge of NXT. No, he's not. No, he's not. Look at the Braun Breaker entrance. How the fuck do you correlate that with Shawn Michaels being in charge? You must take Shawn Michaels to be a fucking complete idiot and someone that doesn't care about the body of work that he's created in NXT. Why would Shawn Michaels, a high-ranking official in NXT, approve something like that? If he was truly the boss of NXT, why would he approve that Braun Breaker entrance, not once but twice, destroying the old black and gold NXT logo? You think Shawn Michaels gave his stamp of approval for that? Shawn Michaels is a puppet. That entire entrance was created and approved by Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard and anybody else that's on Vince McMahon's team. Shawn Michaels didn't approve that ent- uh, that uh, entrance for Braun Breaker. Why would he? If he did, then you are claiming that Shawn Michaels didn't give a shit about NXT, which I know is absolutely a fucking crock of shit. Nobody on Triple H's team approved of that entrance. And I have news reports on that. I hate when people tell me I'm like an ex-girlfriend or a jaded ex-girlfriend that can't get over, you know, moving on. She left you for somebody else, bro. Move on. 
There's no reason to harp on what's already done. It's about the rebrand. Go build yourself back up again. NXT 1.0 was perfect. Everybody knew it. Everybody saw it. The only people that did not give a shit about NXT 1.0 are Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. I don't want to sit here and go over the entire historical fucking chronological events that's happened here. You guys know it. You guys know exactly what happened. Triple H, he did not want to move to the USA Network. He didn't want to expand the show to two hours. He didn't want to leave the WWE Network at one hour. He didn't want to go head-to-head with AEW. He didn't. He didn't want to do any of these things. He was forced to do those things because Vince McMahon was never going to actively go up against AEW. If Vince McMahon actively went up against AEW and he didn't take down AEW and they continued to grow, Adam Cole coming in and Brian Danielson coming in and then the unveiling of CM Punk and AEW's generating over a million rating and uh, just as good of a demographic than Monday Night Raw. On any given week, if Vince McMahon went up against AEW and he didn't stifle their growth. How do you think that would make Vince McMahon feel? Vince McMahon was never going to put himself in a position to fail. That's why he's got yes men surrounding him. So what did he do? I'm not putting my show up against AEW. I'm not going to actively compete against them. I don't want to acknowledge them. They're nothing more than a T-shirt company. So he put his son-in-law in that position. You go take them down. You go stifle their momentum. Vince knew he was never going to be able to do that. Triple H knew he was never going to be able to do that. And look at the result. They failed. Now NXT's on Tuesday night. Triple H is actively removed from power. Shawn Michaels is not in charge. And everybody on Triple H's team is fucking being fired. Because... That's the punishment for the crime. You didn't get it done. But this was long before NXT was even a fucking entity on Wednesday night going head-to-head with AEW. This goes well before AEW. This goes well before AEW. This has been an agenda ever since Bruce Prichard came back to the company. It's easy for me to blame Vince McMahon. But I'm going to sit here and you want to know why I mention Bruce Pritchard all the time. I mention Bruce Pritchard all the time because Bruce Pritchard is a fucking cocksucker. He is Vince McMahon 2.0. Bruce Pritchard is the outside Kevin Dunn. We know, we know Kevin Dunn's got a lifelong position there. As long as he is a Vince McMahon, yes, man, he'll be in that production seat till the day he fucking dies. But Bruce Pritchard, behind the scenes, creatively, is the second most powerful man in the entire company. It's easy for me to blame Vince. That's why I always mention Bruce. This stems and goes further and deeper than what happened on the Wednesday Night Wars. WWE has always had it out for Triple H. Always. They were threatened by Triple H for more than half a decade They exactly knew what was going on. They knew exactly what he was doing. They were monitoring his every move. You think Vince McMahon and his team didn't realize what Triple H was doing? They did. They played dumb. They played dumb. Every single takeover that happened, 
It always went and tagged up with a WWE main roster show, one of the big four or the big five. If you had a Royal Rumble, there was a takeover tagged along with it. If you had a WrestleMania, there was a takeover tagged along with it. If you had a SummerSlam, a Survivor Series, you had a takeover tagged along with it. Every single time, especially at the height of NXT's popularity, which was felt and seen and heard by everybody in the wrestling world. Triple H, with what he did and what he created every single time, WWE main roster failed to captivate anybody the way Triple H did, and they failed to generate the excitement that Triple H created with those takeovers. Every single takeover, more and more, every single quarter, every single year, the the buzz around what he was doing was trumping Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, and everything the main roster was doing. Takeover Brooklyn, WrestleMania weekend, Colin Gargano. You mean to tell me that everybody that went to those two shows thought that WrestleMania was better than Takeover? That Takeover show had so much buzz about it, it was buzzing more than WrestleMania was. WrestleMania that year was fucking hideous. Which it usually is every fucking year. It's the worst show of the year. I don't give a shit what it means in name. WrestleMania is the worst creatively booked show of the entire year. Every single Rumble, every single SummerSlam, every single Survivor Series, Triple H created something that the main roster could not compete with. And I find it funny how WWE never looked within their own company to get better. They just allowed it to happen. Why do you think they allowed it to happen? They allowed it to happen because they were waiting for the opportune time to pull the fucking plug on NXT black and gold. They let Triple H have his fun. But what I found to be weird was that they knew this. They knew Triple H was slaughtering them at every twist and turn. And they never used that to come on the stage come on pay-per-view with these big shows, and they never even desired to book something as good as Triple H. Why do you think that is at the end of the day? Paul Levesque loves professional wrestling. Vince McMahon and his team hate professional wrestling. If Vince McMahon did not seek to grow and get better and have friendly competition, friendly banter back and forth with his own son-in-law, who was legitimately doing everything right, What does that mean to you? Vince McMahon hates professional wrestling. He couldn't even look within to build competition to make his shows better. He just waited for the opportunity to kill the best thing that he was actually signing off on at the end of the day. Vince McMahon was never going to allow Triple H to create his brand and move closer and closer and closer to the family throne. Vince McMahon would rather the throne be occupied by Nick Khan or somebody else that he trusts. He don't even trust his own son-in-law. He don't trust the man that married his daughter. Why would Vince McMahon trust anybody if he can't even fucking trust family? This is what I find to be the most damning of everything. Triple H did everything right. Everything from the look, from the feel, 
to the talent that he brought in, to the characters that were being created. Entrances, Triple H and his team legitimately followed exactly what Vince McMahon and his team wanted to do. They created, they molded, they got everybody ready for the main roster, and they made Vince McMahon's job as easy as baking fucking cookies. They had to do nothing. Take what Triple H created, put it on your show, and let it go. Let them fly. Your future was made for the next 20 years with the talent that he was cultivating in NXT. What did Vince McMahon do? He killed it. Why did Vince McMahon kill it? Vince McMahon killed it because he had nothing to do with it. Vince McMahon killed it because if he had to take everything that Triple H created and put it on the main roster, and you saw all these Triple H guys just filling the roster spots on Raw and SmackDown, Vince is going to start looking at that and saying, I got to give my son-in-law credit. This guy's successful. She's successful because they were cultivated and created and were a project of NXT Black and Gold. They were a project of my son-in-law. I can't have that. I can't have any of that. I don't want to give him credit. The more credit he gets, the more people on social media see it, the more people acknowledge it, and then everybody's going to be calling for Triple H to take over the WWE. Take over Raw, take over SmackDown, have his team kind of filter in here. Everybody on Vince McMahon's team was petty, jealous, and they were fearing for their jobs. They are fearing for their jobs. Why do you think they were fearing for their jobs? Because they realized that when Triple H came in, all of the team that he assembled was going to push out the old guard and it was going to issue in a new wave, a new generation to take this company where it needed. They don't want the company to flourish. They don't want the company to flourish creatively, I should say. Let me reword that. They want the company to flourish. They're making more money now than ever before. But the simple fact of the matter is Triple H was never going to be able to get any of what he created on TV because Vince McMahon and his team never had a hand in it. And every time they were forced to take somebody from the black and gold, they took it, and like I always said, I said this for years, Triple H created, Vince McMahon killed. They took somebody, and I'm going to use him as an example, Karrion Cross. He's the most damning of examples. They took Karrion Cross, which was absolutely perfect as an act on NXT, and they fucking changed it. They killed it. They embarrassed it, and then they threw it in the fucking garbage. That is what I'm talking about. Taking somebody that looks like Karrion Cross and not having him succeed on the main roster, I find that to be very fucking hateful. This company's run by a bunch of people that don't know the talent that they have and possess. And this company is run by a bunch of people that hate professional wrestling and they sought to remove Paul Levesque from power. Now look at where we are today. Look at where we are today. I've called this shit out for 24 months, well before, well after everything had just been reported. You know, everybody's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. What's going on with these firings? Immediately, I called it out. 
immediately I called it out. When AEW was a fucking baby on TNT with that first episode, this goes well before AEW even moved to Wednesday nights with Dynamite. I've been calling this out. Just look at what's going on. Nothing really added up. Everything I have spoken about here, I have no inside sources. I don't know anybody. I don't mingle with wrestlers. I don't reach into wrestlers' DMs. I don't give a shit if you like me, if you hate me, if you want me fucking banished from social media. You want the podcast to fucking disappear and never be heard of again. I don't give a shit what you think. Every single story that broke this year, whether it was main roster, SmackDown, Raw, or more importantly, the discussion today, NXT, I have been 100% correct. Because now it's being reported as factual information. And my gripe is, and I'm going to be a little selfish, because I have every fucking right to. I'm going to be selfish and ask, where's my acknowledgement? Everybody knows what I do. Everything I say, every movement I make is watched by somebody in the community. They got binoculars waiting for me to fuck up and say something so that I'm the next to be canceled. You, you know exactly what I do and what I say. So where exactly is my acknowledgement? No, you all go to the check marks. Who are gutless, cowards, and have no balls about them. None of them revealed this story to you until yesterday. I revealed this story every single fucking month for the last 24 to 36 months. Where's my acknowledgement? Do you know what pains me the most? Is the fact that everybody knew exactly what was going on and you failed to condition your audience to what's going on. You needed it to break officially when you knew exactly what was going on. Mainstream wrestling media is fucking hideous. There's not one truthful individual in the entire fucking community, period. They're all out for themselves. They all want to fucking have their own agendas and narratives. They want to fucking rub elbows with everybody in the community to build their own brand. I'm a made man by myself. I've had help. I've had guidance. But I've never actively went out there and fucking threw myself, you know, without shame. Please, please, please. No. I have 130,000 subscribers on YouTube. I got 37,000 followers on Twitter. All because of what I've said and what I've done. Behind truth and behind honesty. I should be at 500,000 subscribers. I should be at 100,000 followers on Twitter, but I'm not. I'm not because I'm too real. I'm just out there open and honest, and I have not only every right to say what I say because it's my fucking platform. If you don't like it, go watch somebody else who's going to fucking bullshit you. But it's my show. I can say and do whatever the fuck I want. No matter what anybody feels or thinks about me. The problem I have is everybody knew exactly what was going on. So where the fuck were you reporting this story 12 months ago? 
Why didn't you report this story? Why wasn't this a talking point in the news? Everybody's so big on these big sites, right? Where was this news story on any of these dirt sheets? Where? Why wasn't this a thing? Why did it take until yesterday for it to become a story? Meanwhile, I've been crying at the top of the mountain by myself for all this time. And all I got was JD's a conspiracy theorist. JD's a lunatic. JD's a cancer. I can't wait for him to get out of the fucking community. Listen, it doesn't matter what you think about me. At the end of the day, all I want is, hey, I hate this fucking guy, but he's right. He's talking a lot of sense. Everybody that has failed to bring this to public light and to the attention of the public, you are just as bad as Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. Every single fucking one of you. Because it doesn't come off as genuine. Everybody's just, eh, eh, about Triple H getting blackballed from not only his fucking company, but his family. You're just as bad as they are. You're just as bad as everybody undoing what he did. Because this is a serious fucking thing. He doesn't deserve it. I don't know what exactly he did wrong. And everybody just wants to willingly move on. Oh, this is the natural progression of the brand. They're creating superstars. The fuck you think Triple H was doing? What exactly do you think Triple H was doing? What did he have his weekly fucking jerk off session at 3 p.m. at uh, the performance center and just disappear from everybody? What do you think he did every day, all day long? He cultivated new talent. Look at the talent that he had in that company. At least they're creating new stars. What the fuck you think Malachi Black was? Or Alistair Black? What do you think Andrade was? What do you think Keith Lee was? What do you think Johnny Gargano was? Tommaso Ciampa, Adam fucking Cole, and the Undisputed Era. All the women that were there. What do you think this man was doing? No, but now they're creating stars. What are you fucking stupid? I'm going to mention his name even though he's blackballed from the fucking community. Velveteen Dream. Everybody was high on Velveteen Dream before all the accusations came out. Was he not a brand new superstar? He was homegrown. They took him from nothing. And they made him into one of the most must-see acts on that entire brand. That wasn't Triple H creating superstars? All the man did was create. He took somebody from a relatively unknown fucking indie company and he made them into a superstar. Killer Cross, I wasn't a big fan of Killer Cross, Carrion Cross and the Triple H direction made me a fan. Keith Lee was just another big athletic football player that really wasn't seasoned as a professional wrestler. Triple H saw Keith Lee And he made him into a perennial main event WrestleMania guy. Adam Cole, one of the greatest in-ring talents of our generation, Adam Cole. And fuck your vanilla midget comments. Save them. Adam Cole is one of the top five in this sport. 
Was he not a superstar at the end of his NXT run? No, but WWE wanted to take him and cut his hair and change his name, take away Adam Cole Bay Bay, and make him a manager for Keith Lee, who they only ended up firing anyway. Did Triple H not create Adam Cole to be a WWE superstar? Did Triple H not create Adam Cole to be a WrestleMania main event guy? Did he not create the undisputed era as a WWE entity that rivaled the fucking shield? So please explain to me how Triple H didn't create, but now all of a sudden, because you got your Tony D'Angelo, who I'm a big fan of, don't get me wrong, and your Braun Breakers, and your Toxic Attractions, and your Cora Jades, and your Zion Quins, your Odyssey Joneses, and your Andre Chases, and your Von Wagners. By my calculations, what I just mentioned to you blows away everything that you currently see on NXT 2.0. They don't even measure up to anything Triple H did. So where is this narrative about how, oh, at least they're creating the future? Wasn't Triple H doing that? That's all he fucking did until Vince McMahon fucking killed it because it wasn't his. Odyssey Jones, Braun Breaker, Von Wagner, Toxic Attraction, and whoever else I'm failing to mention here. They're all Vince McMahon's projects. They will succeed. Because Vince McMahon has a hand in them. Triple H does not. This is why I mentioned the other day on my New Year's Evil post show. Triple H. All the guys that I just mentioned failed. Because Vince McMahon didn't have a hand in them. The Braun Breakers of the world. There's absolutely no fucking way Braun Breaker is going to fail on the main roster. Why? He may not be the best in-ring guy. He may not be an Adam Cole. But... This is a Vince McMahon handpicked guy. If he's a Vince McMahon handpicked guy, you're going to see a Vince McMahon handpicked guy the same way you're seeing him presented now on the main roster. Braun Breaker will not change. You might see a little tweak here, a little tweak there, but it's not going to deviate away from what you see now. If Vince McMahon has a hand in it, it will succeed. But I don't want to hear about this narrative That Triple H didn't create. Everything was wrong about Triple H's NXT. Fuck that noise. This is a very hot button topic to me and a very sensitive one at that. NXT was the most perfect, the black and gold, I should say, was the most perfect wrestling product that we were given in North America in a very, very long time. I don't want to hear about your vanilla midgets or whatnot. You can fucking take that shit and go fuck off. Fuck off. Everything about their presentation, everything about the quantity over quality aspect that Vince McMahon loves, Triple H thought the opposite. It was always quality over quantity. Takeovers only happened four, maybe five times a year. Takeover only had five matches per show. NXT was one hour, and in that one hour, you saw more wrestling and more character development than you see on five fucking hours. Of WWE television right now. That's because it came from somebody that loved this sport. Vince McMahon and his team do not. So cut the shit. 
cut the shit. I've been claiming this to be fact for months. And now all of a sudden it's news. But all you people, the fucking people that are reporting this shit are so willing to move on and forget the old NXT instead of using your fucking platform to inform your audience about what exactly is going on. You failed to do it for two fucking years. I was the only one. You're so willing to move on from something that's not broken. You should be fucking speaking out about the fucking injustice that is going on right now internally in WWE. You did nothing to bring this to anybody's attention. Now you want to bring it to attention to everybody because it's going to fill your fucking pockets and it's going to bring more views to your fucking websites. The best thing about NXT 2.0 is that when it inevitably fails, and it will, because it's not Paul Levesque, the best thing about NXT 2.0 is that when it inevitably fails, who else is there to blame? Who else is there to blame? Shawn Michaels is going to be the one fired. Because everybody has this fucking fantasy that he's in charge. He's not. Shawn Michaels is not in charge. He sits there like a good little boy and Bruce and Vince run the show on puppet strings. They're not even there. They run the show via Zoom. They can't even be bothered to show up on a show that they so actively wanted to kill. They can't even be bothered to show up to run the fucking show. So they got Shawn Michaels the fucking glorified puppet running the show. And if you heard that Shawn Michaels was running the show from a, a verified source, they're fucking wrong. Bullshit. They took your subscription and they fucking lied to you. This is what I'm talking about. Nobody reported that news. I don't give a fuck what Sap or Meltzer or anybody said about Shawn Michaels running NXT. Shawn Michaels is not in charge, wasn't in charge, and never will be in charge of NXT. Ever. He'll be the first one fired when this shit fails. And then who is Vince and Bruce going to blame? Who are they going to blame? They end up closing the whole fucking operation and nobody will be talking about this brand ever again. But did Triple H deserve to be blackballed? Did he deserve to have every single aspect of his hard work for 10 years erased? Did he need to have his legacy completely wiped away as if it never fucking existed? No, he did not. I stand with Triple H here. I stand firmly on the team of Triple H because the men only had passion to make the product better. Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard actively want to kill the product as we see every single week. Stop believing the wrestling media. Stop supporting the wrestling media. I'm an independent fucking entity that is not affiliated with a website or a dirt sheet or a company. I don't actively seek interviews. I don't go out there and show myself. I say what I say because I fucking care. I say what I say because I want a better show. Half the people that you listen to in this community, they don't want a better show. They want a better them. They want a better website. They want better views on YouTube. 
Meanwhile, I'm the one who's bringing in the views compared to everybody in the fucking community who stands atop every fucking day live. I do. You think that's because I'm being pushed by YouTube algorithm? Give me a fucking break. It's not because of an algorithm. It's not because of uh, some unknown fucking entity. It's because I want exactly what the fucking fans want. And the fans are going to see right through the bullshit. I'm genuine. I'm honest. And I'm truthful. Half of the fucking people that have been living in the wrestling realm on social media have not been honest with you about this. I have. Yet I get called out. I get blackballed. Nobody wants to work with me because I'm too risque. Go fuck yourself. Every single fucking one of you. It would probably do you guys some good if you were more like me instead of fucking wanting something that is nothing more than a fucking fantasy. You're not working with WWE. You're not working with AEW. Neither am I. So you might as well just go into business for yourself and actually be fucking honest with not only your audience, but yourself. I love how people also claim to me that I'm not the same as I was two, three, four years ago. The fuck are you talking about? Because I'm a little bit more polished. I gave back to my fucking community. I got a beautiful fucking green screen developed by a widely popular and fucking insanely talented team because I've upgraded my entire fucking space here, right? I'm not the same. No, I just look a little bit different. I have a little bit more gray in my beard. I sound a little bit better. But the fucking source of it all remains. I will always be here to deliver the truth. Always. Stories broke yesterday that I've been breaking for 24 months. I deserve a little bit more fucking credit than this guy's a fucking lunatic or a conspiracy theorist. I deserve a little bit more fucking credit instead of, oh, I won't work with that fucking guy. I never get invited to do anything or work with anybody or fucking be a part of anybody's fucking panel. Why? They can't handle the fucking truth, man. Everybody wants to live in this safe space. They want to walk on fucking eggshells. They don't want to piss off whoever the fuck they don't want to piss off. Who are you afraid of pissing off? Exactly. Who? That's exactly the recipe of failure. See right through that shit, man. See right through that shit. I might not get invited to fucking panels. I might not get invited to fucking WWE events. They don't want somebody like me, man, because I'm the one that calls them out on every single fucking thing and hasn't been wrong in God knows how long. But people fail to see it. Anyway, man. I needed to get all that off my chest. We're going to go over these releases. We're going to go over these releases in just a second. And I don't really give a shit who I pissed off on this goddamn show today. I really don't. If you don't like it, take it up with somebody fucking else. Seriously. Give me my fucking just do. Give me my credit. Credit me. All you fucking pussies out there are afraid to reveal the real news and report the real fucking news. That's why people come here. Follow me on social media, guys, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys get your super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show and read through all of your super chats. 
Also, become members, VIP members of OTS. You guys can be sitting VIP right there with me in the back. Make sure you guys hit that join button and join the channel right here on YouTube, man. Also, go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. We got Monday Night Raw. We got NXT New Year's Evil. We got AEW Dynamite last night. Tonight, we're live with 2,500 people. We got day one that happened on Saturday. We got a couple of extras thrown in there. Tons of stuff, guys. I've been on fire since the turn of the new year. Make sure you guys go and check that out all on the homepage right now. Go get your t-shirts. Bonfire is the place. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Script. You guys can actually look underneath the video player that you're watching right now on YouTube. You'll see the entire line of Bonfire merchandise. Make sure you guys go and check that out. I even got tote bags. I got coffee mugs. I got all the hottest designs from the podcast. So make sure you guys go and check all that stuff out at bonfire.com. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use code JD at checkout for your free, yes, free sample. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Let's get into the news. I got a lot of it. I want to start off with Ray Phoenix, man. This was the big thing on everybody's mind. Ray Phoenix, big update on the injury he suffered on AEW Dynamite in the main event where I absolutely thought he broke his fucking arm, man. I, I, I can't even think about it. I can't even think about it because it makes my skin crawl. The way his... His arm bent backwards. Everybody was fearing the worst. Ray Phoenix injury update. He he actually uh, revealed himself that he is fine. And this update is coming from PW Insider. Phoenix, according to them, was taken to the hospital straight after the match. The belief was that Phoenix dislocated his elbow. Yes, a dislocated elbow is, is a lot better than a completely broken arm. That's exactly what I thought happened to him. I thought he broke his arm. Brian Alvarez has been reporting about this and reported that Phoenix was scheduled for an MRI. Now reports that Phoenix's elbow was badly dislocated and his arm was not broken. Alvarez noted that the MRI is still needed to check for ligament damage, which I'm assuming there will be because that looked fucking brutal. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful confirmed Alvarez's report, noting that everyone originally feared a break and a surgery, but ultimately there was no fracture. Shortly after the spot, Jungle Boy rolled up Penta to secure the victory, winning himself and Luchasaurus their first AEW Tag Team titles. Ray Phoenix came out and gave a public statement as of this afternoon. He says this, and I quote, I want to thank each and every one of you so much for all the love, your prayers, good vibes, and your messages. Thank you very much for being concerned about me I feel very blessed to have all of you, fans, colleagues, wrestlers, my friends, and my family. Thank you very much. I love this sport so much that it has changed my life and mine. And when I'm in the ring or when I put my mask on, everything goes away. There are no fears. There are no problems. My heart beats perfectly. Everything is fine. I feel alive. What happened last night is one of the many risks that we wrestlers take before getting into a ring and doing what we love so much. There is no blame. It is wrestling. 
These are the risks. Today, I can tell you that I feel better and thank God and his prayers and good vibes from him that there are no broken bones. I still have to visit a doctor a couple of more times and do some studies to have an exact diagnosis. Thank you very much once again to all and congratulations to the champions. Enjoy and defend those titles because very soon I am back and those championships belong to the Lucha Brothers. I respect. Thank you, everybody. I love you all. I am I am shocked that he does not have a broken arm. And I wish nothing but the best for Ray Phoenix, man. Absolutely nothing but the best. This is uh, perfectly summed up. Don't blame anybody. Don't blame anybody. Don't blame Luchasaurus. Don't blame uh, any of the talent in that match. Uh, shit happens. And these are the risks that they take. And they know of those risks when they amp it up the way that they did last night on Dynamite. Did the spot need to be in the match? No, it did not. No, it did not. I didn't think a table spot in that match was absolutely needed. I didn't think it was needed at all. But at the end of the day, it happened. He is injured. And the best thing about it all is that he will be back. His arm is not broken. And the Lucha Brothers with the Young Bucks, now the two top tag teams in this entire game, he is going to recuperate. They are out. Penta will probably be on television, but you took two teams away from the AW tag team division, and you look at the tag team division, how stacked they are, and who's coming in still, and it's not like they're going to be missing any work at all. They're not going to miss a beat. So all the signings that Tony Khan has kind of, you know, brought in to AEW, when shit like this happens, it's great to have that security blanket at the end of the day. Because when you got a, a Lucha Brothers and a Young Bucks who are out of AEW with injuries, it's a pretty big fucking blow, man. Imagine if Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks were in WWE and they had nobody else like they do now. Their tag team division would be fucked. Imagine if RK Bro and the Street Profits or RK Bro and the Usos were, were out. Or not even that. Imagine the Usos and the New Day both being out because of injury. Where exactly, where exactly is that tag team division? So don't really, don't really slight Tony Khan for what he's done because he's developed a nice security blanket for himself. So when things do, like, do happen like this, he's got something to fall back on. And that tag team division will be just fine. And when they get back, they'll be even stronger. So thoughts and prayers and love go out to Ray Phoenix. He will be back, and I'm glad his arm is... Not broken. Speaking of Dynamite, Dynamite did over 1 million viewers last night on their TBS debut. This is according to Showbuzz Daily, AEW's New Year's Smash event on December 29th. They did a rating of 975,000. Last night's show did 1.01 million viewers. They also brought in a 0.43 in the 18 to 49 demographic. That is what I call a strong start to Dynamite on the new network on TBS. Now, the reason why they did over a million viewers is for a couple of reasons. Number one, they've been hyping the shit out of it, so all the hype kind of paid off. Number two, I genuinely genuinely believe that Brian Danielson and Adam Hangman Page and their match was so great the first time around that they've invested so many people to come and watch this second match that you just had to watch exactly what was going on here. And number three, 
there was a problem with the West Coast Dynamite feed. They weren't really being shown in the primetime slot. Dynamite, for the longest time, on the West Coast was being shown at 5 p.m. Who's watching wrestling at 5 p.m.? It's a primetime show. They should be on at 8 o'clock. So what happened is that they were being shown at 5 p.m., and those ratings were really, or the West Coast, rather, was really debilitating the ratings overall for the show. So now with the move to TBS, that's not going to happen because the West Coast feed, they were pushing the hockey stuff. They were pushing the NHL over AEW in the primetime slot. Now with the move to TBS, that's not going to be a problem, and the West Coast feed now will be featured in the primetime slot that it should have been in. But don't go and say that to the people on social media, to the fucking ghouls on social media. They don't want to hear that stuff. They don't want to hear the legit truth. They want AEW to fail, which I find just absolutely more and more ludicrous every fucking week. Because WWE is doing such great things by themselves or, or, or were doing such great things by themselves, right? They've actually gotten worse with competition from AEW. I can't imagine if they were the only game in town. One million. Congratulations to AEW. Um, it's still on at 5 p.m. on TBS, says Hulagrim. I didn't uh I didn't hear that. Well, that's not what Brian Alvarez said, man. But I mean, everybody hates Alvarez, so uh they'll probably throw that right back in his face. Uh Walter. Walter. He was on NXT New Year's Evil in a great six-man tag with Imperium, Matt Riddle, and MSK. Walter is officially moving to the States. He will be competing for NXT 2.0 full-time. And the deterioration of Walter has begun. He will not be on NXT 2.0 for a very long time. They are priming him for the main roster with this move officially to NXT and him officially moving stateside for good. Walter is set to have his last NXT UK last stand on next week's UK show in a farewell match against Nathan Frazier. Walter wrestled on this week's New Year's Evil episode where he and Imperium were defeated by Matt Riddle and MSK. I honestly see the Dusty Classic is going to be a thing on NXT 2.0. Imperium are the tag team champions. The winners of the Dusty Cup get a tag team title opportunity against Imperium. Now, the thing is, with the Dusty Cup, I feel like it may end up being MSK. It may end up being somebody else for all we know. I don't know. But the whole story revolves around MSK getting Matt Riddle, him being the shaman, them winning the tournament, and them getting a shot at Imperium. So that's what I think is going to happen. Now, they won the tournament last year, which I didn't think they should have won it last year. I think the grizzled young veteran should have won it last year. But I, I, I do see MSK winning the tournament, taking the titles off of Imperium. And then at that point, it would give Walter something to do in the meantime until that tournament has concluded. And I would see all three of them move up to the main roster. Marcel Bartel, Fabian Eichner, and Walter all moving to the main roster. Where they go, I don't know. Where they go, I would absolutely fear for their careers. They would not be treated well at all. On the main roster. Tag team wrestling is horrendous on the main roster. And Walter in the hands of Bruce Pritchard and WWE Creative. Uh, I would rather drink bleach. I do not want to see that at all. Now the thing is, everybody's mentioning, oh, Walter for the Royal Rumble. Walter should be in the Royal Rumble. I agree with you. 
It is very easy to book Walter to win the Royal Rumble. If you really want Walter on the main roster, having him win the Royal Rumble would be the absolute best decision possible. Brock Lesnar beats Bobby Lashley, retains the WWE title. Roman Reigns defends against whomever. There's nobody on SmackDown right now. They may actually have to dip into the Monday Night Raw roster to find the next casualty for Roman Reigns on the road to WrestleMania. I don't know who that's going to be. Roman Reigns is definitely walking into WrestleMania as the Universal Champion. You can do Lesnar and Reigns night one of WrestleMania. The winner of that match is the Unified Champion. Walter wins the Royal Rumble. He gets the winner of that match on night two. So it could be Walter versus Roman or Walter versus Lesnar in the main event of night two for WrestleMania 38. It is very easy to have Walter win the Royal Rumble. It's very easy for anybody to win the Royal Rumble. It doesn't necessarily have to be Walter. You could really do a New Japan scenario where night one and night two could really play out the way that I just detailed. So the Royal Rumble winner is still going to get a title shot at WrestleMania, but instead of getting one championship match, we'll get two. That could still happen. Will that happen? Probably not. That may be too complicated for WWE and Bruce Pritchard to really think about. It, it may be too complicated to wrap their little fucking tea, teeny tiny pea, pea-headed brains around. So they won't do that. They're not even going to do a unification match. And a unification match is absolutely presenting itself in the most perfect way. Will they do it? No, they won't. But Walter is moving to NXT 2.0. He is the absolute furthest thing from being NXT 2.0. Nothing about Walter is NXT 2.0. They will be moving him up to the main roster before the start of the summer. No question. That man will not be down there for that long. WWE plans to go to Saudi Arabia next month for another big super showdown. Or a crown jewel. I have no idea what the show is going to be called, but Andrew Zarian of the Matt Men podcast has reported that WWE is planning to go back to Saudi Arabia on Saturday, February 19th, which I'm actually happy about. I do not like these shows happening on a Thursday. Kind of throws everything off. So a Saturday, February 19th show is okay in my books. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful also confirmed this report. The last time WWE was in Saudi Arabia was for Crown Jewel on October 21st. And the main event there was Brock Lesnar losing to Roman Reigns with the Universal Championship on the line. WWE released its 2022 pay-per-view schedule and there were two months there without a pay-per-view. They had February and I believe October. So everybody kind of figured that WWE would be going back to Saudi Arabia in those months. Now, my question is, if we're getting a Saudi show in February, are we getting an Elimination Chamber pay-per-view in March? I would not even bother having a pay-per-view in March because I don't really think anybody gives a shit. You'll be booking for that pay-per-view and coming out of Saudi, WWE should theoretically put all their resources into building WrestleMania. There's no reason why you should be building towards a pay-per-view in between The Saudi show and WrestleMania, that would give WWE enough time, seven weeks, to build and make everything feel important going into WrestleMania. You throw a pay-per-view in there in the middle of March, it kind of throws everything off. They don't even use the Elimination Chamber the way that it should be used. It's a failed concept, especially if you have everything lined up the way that I just 
told you about with the winner of the Royal Rumble, maybe Walter, getting Lesnar and Reigns on night one, having the Rumble winner face them night two. What do you need an elimination chamber for? What do you need an elimination chamber for if both men who hold the biggest championships in the company are going to face each other at WrestleMania? Now, the thing that would throw a wrench into that great idea is Bobby Lashley winning the WWE Championship, which I don't think anybody wants to see that. We've seen it. I don't want to see it. He didn't really have all that great of a run. They booked him decently. They booked him to be a monster, but he didn't really have any standout matches or he wasn't really the most entertaining champion on Monday Night Raw. Nobody wants to see Bobby Lashley as the WWE champion again. I fear that WWE will give the WWE title to Bobby Lashley and Omos will win the Royal Rumble. Because you know WWE is all in on Omos. Can you imagine Omos winning the Royal Rumble and then having a championship match on night one against Bobby Lashley? Can you imagine theoretically that WWE, and they know, they know Bobby Lashley has asked for this Lesnar match for half a decade now. They've asked, or he's asked them for this Lesnar match, and they denied him every single time. Now, all of a sudden this year, they're giving him his match. Can you imagine theoretically if WWE went to Lashley and said, hey, uh, hey, Bob. Hey, Bob, uh, we'll give you your Lesnar match this year. We we got the okay from him. He's willing to work with you. We'll give you your Lesnar match, but I'm going to give you Lesnar, and you have to give us Omos at WrestleMania. So we're going to have you beat Lesnar. We're going to have a fuck finish. Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns are going to get back together. They're going to fuck you over, and then Omos is going to win the Royal Rumble. Oh, we're going to fuck Lesnar over. We're going to give you the championship. Omos is going to win the Royal Rumble, and then you have to drop the title to Omos at WrestleMania. Can you imagine? Can you imagine they promised fucking all of this great shit to Bobby Lashley, Lesnar, the title, but then they got, then they have him put over Omos at WrestleMania. Oh, my goodness. I know I've been uh, willing this into existence. I hope to God nobody's listening to me. Seriously. But WWE's going back to Saudi. I, uh, I actually quite like that it's a Saturday show rumored Right now, it's not confirmed by any means, but rumored uh, to be on a Saturday, February 19th to be exact, and not a Thursday. So I am absolutely for that, no question. Um, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was originally scheduled to win the WWE Championship at day one. Not Big E. This comes from Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer reported this week in his column on SportsIllustrated.com that Big E was not booked to retain the WWE title before the late changes to the show that included Brock Lesnar. Meltzer noted how the build to WrestleMania changed greatly when Brock Lesnar pinned Big E to win the title, but the original scripted plan was for Big E to lose the belt to Seth Rollins. Now, WWE's plans for WrestleMania are not changing at all with Lesnar now holding the WWE Championship. Those plans are still intact because we're getting Lesnar versus Reigns. WWE even tweeted out today that Roman Reigns is cleared and he will be on Friday Night SmackDown and he's tested negative for COVID-19. So he will be on the show. So clearly the plan is for Roman and Lesnar to continue 
and WWE's original plans for WrestleMania, even though Lesnar is now a WWE champion, they have not changed. So we're getting Lesnar versus Reigns at WrestleMania. The, the thing is, will Lesnar be the WWE champion or will he be going into the match without the title? I think it should be with Lesnar being the WWE champion. And I think a unification match of some sort will be the best thing for WWE to embark on, but I don't think that is a likely scenario. Now, this contradicts, this news actually contradicts what WWE sources told Brian Alvarez as he noted that Big E was scheduled to retain the title and there was a graphic briefly posted and deleted by the WWE on Fox Twitter account that stated that Big E was retaining his title. As always, plans in WWE change. Uh, They change all the time, so it's possible that Rollins was originally scheduled to win the title, and then Vince McMahon changed his mind and made Big E the winner, and then plans changed when Roman Reigns tested positive. So it could have went from Seth Rollins to Big E and then to Brock Lesnar. We don't know. We don't know. But WWE taking the title off of Big E in both of these situations, I mean, it goes to show you what WWE thought of Big E. He wasn't really their champion. WWE did not think very highly of Big E's title run, and neither did the fans. Nobody watched the show. Nobody came to the show. Big E, I don't even think he won a championship match or a match, period, as champion. He, he, made a, he might have won one or two matches, but in all the big matches, all the big scenarios that they put him in, he continued to rack up else. The most damning of matches was the one against Roman Reigns, very one-sided at Survivor Series. It wasn't Big E on equal level with Roman Reigns. It wasn't something like they did with Edge. Edge looked like Roman's equal. Brian looked like Roman's equal. Big E looked like a fucking scrub next to Roman Reigns. Very one-sided. Go back and watch that match. It was very telling what they thought of Big E just by that match alone. Very decisive victory by Roman. They didn't really think much of Big E, and his reign was a failure. Let's be honest. Big E's reign was a failure. Whether that is in the perception of the fans, I don't know if the fans really gravitated to him, but WWE doesn't know how to book babyfaces, and WWE booked Big E's reign all wrong. They booked it all wrong. Right from the word go. He won money in the bank. Great. Everybody wanted Big E to win money in the bank. I wanted Big E to win money in the bank, but the thing is, They gave Big E so much so soon, and they had this paid off so soon instead of letting it marinate. The longer you leave something in the refrigerator all wrapped up, a nice piece of steak marinated, the better it's going to taste when you finish it and stop grilling it. 20 minutes goes by, you grill your steak, whatever. As soon as that steak is off the grill, it's going to taste better the longer it marinates in the refrigerator. WWE It's almost as if they they did that instant marinade. Yeah, we'll put some steak in the refrigerator, let it marinate, in 10 minutes we'll throw it on the grill. No. No, nobody, nobody, nobody does that. You're a fucking idiot if you go and do that. Clearly you don't know what the fuck you're doing, just like WWE Creative doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Big E should have never taken the title from Bobby Lashley on that Monday Night Raw. They only did it to appease social media and the fucking Black Lives Matter stuff. That's all they did. It was a political, creative move. That is all they did it for. You don't want to hear it? I'm sorry. Go listen to somebody else. They did it for political reasons. I'm not saying Biggie should have never been the WWE champion. 
I'm saying Big E should have waited to win the WWE title to make the entire moment feel that much more gratifying and special. Bobby Lashley should still be the WWE champion right now. WWE should have had Big E cash in his Money in the Bank contract at WrestleMania. That was it. That was it. They had an easy in with the storyline, too. An easy, easy, easy in. An easy in. Bobby Lashley destroyed Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. They had an easy storyline right there with Big E to be inserted into that feud and get revenge for his guys. Easy. Absolutely easy. But they failed. They failed Big E. And now he had a token title run because of whatever agenda. And he will never see the WWE title again. Big E is not winning the Royal Rumble, nor should he win the Royal Rumble. Nobody wants to see him win the Royal Rumble, just like I don't want to see Bianca Belair win the Royal Rumble. They have seen their time at the top. It's time to move on and give us and give somebody else an opportunity. Time to give somebody else an opportunity. Bianca doesn't need two Royal Rumbles in a row. She's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Big E doesn't need to win the WWE Royal Rumble either. I'd rather get it in the hands of Walter or, or somebody else that hasn't been at the top. Big E failed, and it's time to move on. There's no reason to go back to something that you already know failed and will fail again. Speaking of failure, speaking of failure, Top Dollar and Hit Row, they were brought up just as quick as they were brought up. They were fired. Shane Strickland and Top Dollar apparently had a little social media beef, supposedly. Shane Strickland then came out and debunked all of the social media chatter that he has heat with AJ Francis and Top Dollar. Now, the original story reads as follows. It doesn't look like we're going to see a full-fledged hit roll reunion anytime soon in another wrestling company. Several fans on Twitter noticed that on Monday, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Shane Strickland, and Top Dollar, AJ Francis, unfollowed each other on social media. Another sign that they were not on the best of terms is when Swerve posted a tweet promoting Sammy Guevara of AEW would be on his Swerve City podcast. Francis then responded to this tweet that promoted Sammy on Swerve's podcast. And he says this, and I quote, Yeah, I'm definitely pulling up when y'all record, end quote. That tweet reply from Francis was then hidden by Shane Strickland on social media, on Twitter. It should also be pointed out that Swerve's guest Sammy Guevara said last month that Top Dollar would never get signed by AEW. Top Dollar was on Busted Open Radio not too long ago, and he spoke about something that was said about him over the headset before a SmackDown taping. Now, he said this, and I quote, when we were on SmackDown, we did a segment with Sami Zayn. We were rehearsing the segment. Top Dollar was explaining this to Busted Open Radio. The audio was real loud in the arena. I politely asked, do you think we can turn down the audio in the arena a little bit? just so that the people in the arena, because they were playing music, so that the people in the arena could hear what we were saying and we could get a reaction from it. I don't know what was said, but something was said about me over the headset that was so disrespectful 
that three different producers who heard it on the headset came up to me and apologized to me afterwards, even though I didn't hear what was said. Clearly something was said that was very wild and disrespectful because they all felt the need to apologize to me for something I didn't even know. If I would have heard it and said anything back, then I'm disgruntled, I'm aggressive, and I'm the angry black man, he says. It's unfortunate the way that things shape out. At the end of the day, I'm not telling anybody to never watch WWE again. I'm going to watch WWE myself. I'm not sitting here pretending that I'm not. I watch everything, but also, that's not the end-all, be-all. That's not where we have to be to be successful. We are more than capable of going anywhere in this world and making the same impact, end quote. No, you won't. And no, you can't. Not you. Swerve, maybe. What, bottom dollar? No. Then the updated story to this is that AJ Francis, Top Dollar, and Shane Strickland confirmed on Twitter that they do not have heat with each other. The rumors started when Strickland... Hid Top Dollar's tweet about Sammy Guevara. Fans on social media also pointed out that both Francis and Strickland were not following each other on Twitter. Boy, oh boy, man, you people need a fucking hobby. Get the fuck off of social media. Oh, well, he's not following him. Like, you're really going into their followers section on, on Twitter and you're, and you're noticing that they're not following each other? However, it was noted that they are still cool with each other. Strickland joked that there is only heat because Francis beat him on Madden. Great. Um, Shane Strickland, Swerve, whatever you want to call him, he will be signed. And and Shane Strickland, you know, he was only looking out for himself. Uh, it seems like top dollar is, uh, is a few pennies short of a dollar, if you guys know what I'm talking about. I don't think he's all there. For some reason, he thinks he is uh, some big wig rapper who wants to start start a, a West Coast, East Coast beef here. Like, what are you doing, bro? Shane Strickland apparently was your boy. He's got a friend of his, Sammy Guevara, on his show to talk wrestling and talk whatever the fuck they got to talk about. But here, you're 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 replying to his tweet. Yeah, I'm definitely pulling up when y'all record, as if you're gonna fucking. Come storming into the studio and you're going to start some fucking beef that doesn't need to be started. Listen, bro, you're working yourself into a shoot. The fuck out of here, man. I, I don't believe this guy. So Shane Strickland hid the fucking comment because he's probably, he's probably in talks or has desires to work with Sammy Guevara and AEW. And he doesn't want this shit on his timeline. I don't know, man. Uh, AJ Francis rubs me the wrong way, bro. I, I, I don't know about him. He's uh, he's just out there. Hit Row is never getting back together. I see Shane Strickland going on and doing his own thing. Uh, if we see anything resembling Hit Row together somewhere, I'd be shocked. But uh, they were also casualties of the Triple H agenda. They were fired strictly because of them being the last remaining project of Triple H on NXT. And they were let go. But uh, top dollar, man, Jesus Christ, get with the fucking program and uh, try and behave yourself. Be a mature professional. This is not some fucking rap beef. It's Sammy Guevara who works for the second biggest company in the world in pro wrestling. There's no reason to start beef when nothing is there. And everything that they do is a troll. Everything that they do is a troll.
They have fun on their YouTube shows, their vlogs. If you're going to go out there and take that seriously, man, maybe you should go find a sense of fucking humor. Tony Khan has big plans in 2022, apparently. He was on wrestling with Brandon F. Walker to promote Dynamite last night. Khan said the Battle of the Belts will be will be presented quarterly, so we're going to get these once per quarter. I hope that they extend it to two hours instead of the one hour. He says they will be Saturday night quarterly specials. Saturday night fight night in primetime. They will all be an hour at 8 p.m. It was something that along with the move to TBS, I was talking to TNT, and we had something really, really great going on with TNT in addition to TBS. They love Rampage. Rampage has been a hit. And it's exceeded all of our expectations. We had a great lift in ratings at the end of the year, thanks to some great wrestlers and some great wrestling. Now Rampage is still on TNT Friday nights and Battle of the Belts quarterly on TNT as well. And then he says he's got some surprises coming in 2022. Now we talked about this on the extra that we did yesterday. Uh, He's got a a dream sign-in, a signee or a dream signing coming to AEW. Nobody knows who that is. He's not really at liberty to tell. They may be still under a 90-day non-compete with WWE, but he mentioned it's a dream signing. But he did say this with Brandon Walker, and I quote, I have huge plans for 2022 that have been a long time in the making. Then I have some huge plans for 2022 to build a stronger, more diverse representation across the board. Nobody knows what that is yet, but I have a couple of really cool, exciting things that are going on and going to be coming up in the next month or six weeks. It's going to be really good. It's been Stuff that's been a long time planned, it's going to be awesome, but there's also going to be stuff that just kind of came up, to be honest with you, that's going to be pretty dope, he says. Now, I don't know who that means, what he means, or what he means by that, who he means, uh, but I could absolutely see uh, AEW maybe embarking on a, a stadium show this year. I really could. Overseas. Somewhere, or maybe in Jacksonville. I, I have no idea, but I, I do see a stadium show, if not this year, absolutely in 2023. And I said this from day one. If AEW is going to be doing a stadium show, it is going to be headlined by CM Punk versus Brian Dens. That's what's going to happen. I hope that's the case, because that's the biggest money match that AEW could do right now in AEW. The WWE released several... From NXT yesterday, Gabe Sapolsky released, Scott Armstrong released, Brian James, Road Dog. oh, you didn't know, gone. Also, William Regal released from WWE. How you release William Regal? I don't know, man. Let's start with Road Dog. Road Dog was released. This was first reported by Fightful. Brian Alvarez reported also that more NXT releases were on the way, which we saw. As I mentioned, all the names. There were some talents let go as well, which WWE kind of transitioned into a backstage role, which says a lot about said talent. You'll know who I'm talking about in a second. James was best known for his run during the Attitude Era as one half of the New Age Outlaws, one of the best tag teams of all time, has been working behind the scenes in the company in recent years. He worked alongside Brian Ward, or Ryan Ward, I should say, Ryan Ward on SmackDown, when SmackDown was actually producing better shows than Monday Night Raw in 2016. Ryan Ward and Road Dog 
who are part of the creative team, the creative duo that made SmackDown must-see every single week. Some of the best SmackDown shows that were ever produced came out of 2016. Road Dogg was a part of that. There were a couple of reports, you know, about Road Dogg over the years and how he, you know, had a bad attitude and he was burnt out. He took time away. Triple H brought him back to NXT and he was a producer and an agent down there. And he would stay with the company at the time. They called it being a utility player. He then took, a, like I said, a backstage role at NXT at the Performance Center and he helped teach promos. And he helped develop characters and hold classes with people developing their characters. He actually did release a statement today. He says, guys, I'm doing well and I thank you for all the love. I'm going to take a few days for myself and process this. God is still on the throne and will provide. It's just business. No, uh, dog, it's not just business. It's an agenda against your very good friend, Paul Levesque. I don't know why you would consider that just business. But there's another guy hiding the real truth from the masses. James was released, as was his brother. His brother, Scott Armstrong, was released. And we have PW Insider reporting as well that Sarah Cummins, who was the senior vice president and consumer or a senior vice president of consumer products in WWE. She was released as well. She's been with the company since December 2018. Uh, Scott Armstrong was released. This was reported by PW Insider, brother to Brian James Road Dog. Armstrong's been involved with the wrestling business since the early 80s. He's wrestled all over the world before getting hired as a referee in 2006. Armstrong was furloughed in 2020 as part of the budget cuts related to the pandemic, but he was brought back in October of that year. That's got to suck, man. Fired or furloughed because of the pandemic. Told that you were going to come back and then only released because you were a part of Triple H's team. And there's an agenda right now backstage to erase everything that is Triple H. Other names that were released. Timothy Thatcher. You guys know Timothy Thatcher. Toothless Timmy. He teamed with Tommaso Ciampa for a uh, brief stint on NXT before they did the revamp, they had uh, that cage fight match or that uh, pit fight match with Matt Riddle. He was released. He hasn't been on TV since NXT 2.0 was rebranded. They actually made him into a backstage coach or producer or or uh, performance center coach. I believe they made him. So it goes to show you where they wanted Timothy Thatcher and what they thought of Timothy Thatcher, the new School is not really in need of somebody like that. And the management that that, that has now taken over the show, they obviously don't have any need for Timothy Thatcher. Uh, but Timothy Thatcher released Hideki Suzuki of Diamond Mine. He's gone. JD, who is that? He was the one guy that didn't say anything in Diamond Mine next to Malcolm Bivens, Ivy Nile, Roderick Strong, and the Creed Brothers. That other guy. That other guy. Who didn't say anything? He's gone. Danny Birch released from the company. So now this makes the one-two connection of Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan, Biff Busick, released from the company. Birch has been working behind the scenes in a coaching role alongside Timothy Thatcher. George Carroll was released. He was a producer and a writer. 
Kathy Carino, a.k.a. Allison Danger, has also been released. I believe Allison Danger was there for three months. Listen to this. She was there for three months. She relocated from the West Coast to Orlando. She uprooted her entire family to work with WWE only to be fired in three months. Can you imagine that? Unbelievable. So George Carroll, uh, as well, like I said, he was a producer and a writer. All these names are a part of Triple H's team. Gabe Sapolsky released this morning from WWE. This was reported by Sean Ross Sapp around 10 a.m. this morning. Sapolsky first noted on Twitter that he has reached the end of the road in WWE with a quote from legendary rock drummer Neil Peart that reads, I don't regret the ride that has to be over, but rather feel grateful for the miles traveled for the sights along the way, and to be exactly where I am. Sap then confirmed that Sabolski is gone from the company. WWE releases have been happening over the last 24 hours. This is the latest name. Sapolsky started in the wrestling business when he worked for Paul Heyman in ECW, where he published their programming and later became Paul Heyman's assistant. He was the first booker for Ring of Honor and founded Evolve, which WWE eventually purchased and made into their, uh, I guess, feeder system for NXT. Gabe went on to work for WWE as a consultant for the NXT brand under Triple H. All these names are Triple H names. All these names are Triple H hires. William Regal was the biggest name released. Also released, Ace Steel. And Rajin Singh, who was Dave Kapoor, a.k.a. the the great Kali's handler back in the day. Two other names that were released. The biggest name was William Regal. William Regal was released by WWE. And listen to this, man. I, I find this to be one of the dumbest fucking things that they probably have done since they have started doing the mass releases. I don't know how you do not find value in William Regal. Now, we know William Regal was not on television. He didn't fit the current mold of NXT. He didn't uh, have uh, that GM title anymore like he used to have on Triple H's NXT. I don't know what he was doing. I would assume that he was backstage molding, cultivating talent, working out of the performance center, going out there and looking at uh, or scouting talent. I thought that was what William Regal was doing. Instead, WWE opted to fire him because he was a Triple H team member. He was a part, a great part of Triple H's team. And I I don't really understand why they would make this into such a bad PR nightmare. Everybody in the company tweeted about something that William Regal taught them. Everybody that has been affected in some way by this release came out publicly and said something about William Regal and how important William Regal was to their development or to their career. And without them, you know, without William Regal, there would be no, uh, you know, Cora Jade or or fucking James Drake I seen tweeting from the Grizzled Young Veterans. How how don't you have a role for for William Regal in this company? I, I don't get someone with 40 years experience. You would willingly undertake that terrible PR nightmare to release somebody as well-respected and renowned as William Regal. William Regal has been there 
for years. From the first day of NXT, he's been there. And if William Regal was fired, can you imagine? Can you imagine if Dusty Rhodes was around today? You don't think WWE would do the same to Dusty Rhodes? With AEW around and knowing that his son, Cody Rhodes, is an executive over at AEW, you don't think if they fired William Regal without a fucking thought, a second thought about, hey, maybe this is wrong, you don't think they fired Dusty Rhodes? Of course they would. These people have no fucking shame. They have no soul. They have no heart. William Regal is responsible for every single person that you see right now coming out of NXT that makes it to the main roster. Every single person. He's either had a hand in developing or a hand in bringing in to the company. William Regal is single-handedly responsible for scouting talent for the Cruiserweight Classic alongside Triple H, which ended up being one of WWE's greatest productions. William Regal single-handedly scouted and formed the first ever United Kingdom Championship Tournament, which was one of WWE's, again, best productions. William Regal is responsible for that. But there's no value in keeping William Regal around on television or keeping William Regal in the Performance Center. It's amazing to me. William Regal was released. According to FIFA, William Regal was scouting talent at the recent WWE tryouts. Exactly what I thought he was doing, being that he wasn't on TV. It was also said that many people backstage in the company believed that William Regal would be exempt from the cuts. Because everybody knew how valuable he was. Fightful had asked about William Regal being off TV last week. And they were told that there were no plans for him or an immediate authority figure on NXT television. He'd been scouting talent at the recent WWE tryouts. But Fightful was told that when he was off television with no direction, it was one of the surest signs that NXT was no longer what it had been for the decade prior. With William Regal there. He was another Triple H favorite who helped shaped the entire brand. Everyone that Fightful spoke to thought that William Regal would be exempt from cuts regardless. But that was not the case. Makes me think that if William Regal is gone, where's Samoa Joe going to end up? Once somebody looks at the internal line sheet and sees Samoa Joe's name there. And the fact that Triple H brought Samoa Joe back into NXT. Samoa Joe is going to be fired for a second time in WWE, and that is some elite company. Samoa Joe's next. Absolutely. Samoa Joe will not be there by the end of the year. I give him maybe till WrestleMania. Gone. During the Wrestling Observer Live, Brian Alvarez explained that William Regal had nothing to do in NXT anymore. They removed him from television, and he was no longer scouting indie talent at PWG shows because that's not who WWE wants to sign anymore. This likely contributed to his release. Brian Alvarez says, and I quote, his role was he would go to indie shows and he would scout talent. He would go over to PWG or whatever and remain an on-screen character. Well, now it's NXT 2.0, and you know there are a lot of people who were Triple H guys, and William Regal was one of them. They decided that they didn't want William Regal on television, 
He wasn't or hasn't been on television in forever. As I've mentioned before, they ain't scouting indie talent. They're not looking for guys on the indies anymore. So his two jobs, he's not doing anything anymore. He's literally doing nothing and getting paid. I guess their feeling was, what are we paying these people for? And he's gone. Brian Alvarez also revealed that NXT creative producer Ryan Katz has also been let go. William Regal, you know, I don't really advocate for Tony Khan to sign everybody. And I know I'm not alone in this. If William Regal is able to sign with another company, and this this is all dependent on what he wants to do. Maybe he's just sick of wrestling and says, you know what, I'm going to hang up, hang it up. I'm just going to call it a career. But if he has any inkling of still wanting to do this, man, can you imagine the talent that he could cultivate in AEW? If he still wants to do this out of everybody that is out there, Tony Khan would do himself a huge favor if he got a William Regal backstage. Somebody like William Regal would be able to bring a sense of order to the show. A sense of order to the show. It would bring that that chaos, that lack of structure that Big Swole talked about, and William Regal would be able to come in and make it better. Plus, all of the wealth of knowledge that William Regal has over 40 years of experience, somebody like a Ricky Starks or a Hook or any of these young kids over there, how many stories have come out in the last 24 hours about William Regal he would be willing to open himself up to anybody and give you whatever advice you needed if he knew it. And what is it that this man doesn't know in 40 years of being in this business? He led NXT alongside Triple H to the biggest brand in all of professional wrestling. The best thing running in all of the sport. That was his last accolade. And something to really be proud of. He is NXT. He will forever be NXT. When you think NXT, you, yes, obviously think Triple H. But you think William Regal, number two. Tony Khan needs to bring in William Regal immediately. If this man has no restrictions of a 90-day non-compete, William Regal needs to be brought into the company. Scotty Tuhati, he was a pro, uh, He was a coach. Back at the Performance Center. He was there since 2016. He got up, asked for his release, and quit. Why is everybody leaving? Why do you think everybody is leaving NXT? He was there at the height of it all. He loved his job. He loved cultivating talent. He loved seeing everything that he was doing succeed. He loved watching all the young talent thrive and go on to be the next generation superstars. His boss was Triple H. Now, all of a sudden, that Triple H is not in charge. He asks for his release from a job that he loves so dearly. No, but people still tell me that Shawn Michaels is in charge. If Shawn Michaels was truly in charge of NXT, Scotty Tuhati wouldn't have left NXT as a performance center coach. William Regal wouldn't have been fired. Scotty Tuhati said this. He was interviewed by Chris Van Vliet. He said this. 
And it was over the course of the last couple of months. Once the pandemic happened and all the releases started started to happen, I think the releases took a big toll on me. When I became a coach, I had no idea how much I would love that job. And those guys are then like your children. You create these relationships with people. You see them get released and you find out with everyone else when they came up to Twitter or when they came up on Twitter. My buddy in Nashville texted me, oh, the releases are happening again. So I jump on Twitter and I see somebody released that was in my class and I just saw them three hours before. That's how I'm finding out. And dude, let me tell you, it's not cool. No. Towards the end, they started doing a group text when they let people go. That was one of my beefs when I left. I don't want to know when talents are getting released before they do. But once it's done, you can't send something out to, you know, have an intern who was sitting beside the person doing cuts and sending texts to their coach and say, hey, I just want you to know this person so-and-so has been released. Me and some of the other coaches had texting, talent texting us saying, hey, thanks for everything. And we respond with, hey, no problem. It was great having you in class. And we think they're talking about being in class today. But no, they've been fired. They were just so many releases. I wasn't having fun. And I saw people outside that appeared to be having zero fun. You never heard about any of this when Triple H was in charge. They've always, always, always talked about when Triple H was there, a family, a family oriented environment is what the backstage feel in NXT was. It was a huge family. Everybody was treated as an equal. Everybody was having fun. Is Triple H, Shawn Michaels, or anybody on his team in charge when you got Saudi Tuhati telling everybody that there was no fun in NXT anymore? That he grew fed up of all the people being let go? Is that fun? Did this man leave because he found a better offer? No, he was fed up with the way things were being operated and the way the brand was being run. Now he's looking back and he is saying to himself, he really made the right decision for himself. Now, the funny thing is, and I talked about this, and I talked about this at the beginning of the show. WWE is reportedly releasing everybody. Now it's come to light. It's come to light, and now it's legit news. WWE is releasing talent and everybody in NXT that reportedly was a part of Triple H's team. Staff and talent are not happy with Braun Breaker's entrance at New Year's Evil. And there is a sadness in NXT right now after everything had went down yesterday. People are reportedly sad, angry, And wondering what is next after Triple H's hires have been fired. Now, this is news. I've been prepping you guys for this day for how many months? Now it's news. I should get a fucking nickel for every time I mentioned this was the case, man. I'd be fucking rich. If I had a nickel for all the apologies that I'm owed, I'd have enough to buy that Milgas Rolex that I want for my 40th birthday in a month. 
WWE is reported releasing Triple H hires. Fightful reports that the only non-Hunter hire that was let go was Allison Danger. She uprooted her family from Las Vegas to Orlando so she could work her dream job, but her time in the company only lasted three months. Imagine that. I just mentioned that before. Her hiring and firing was discussed by Lenny Leonard on Twitter. Two of the big names fired, Road Dogg and William Regal, are considered to be Triple H guys. Hunter and Regal's friendship goes back to their days in WCW. Hunter also has gone to bat for William Regal when he was dealing with substance abuse issues many years ago. Fightful adds that according to talent and staff at the NXT Performance Center, they are saying that these latest cuts were done directly to remove Triple H hires. Furthermore, last night, or Tuesday rather, on NXT, Braun Breaker kicking the old NXT X, the black and gold X, the styrofoam X in the aisleway during his entrance. That was not well received backstage. And the feeling was that the company was indeed sending a message. Well, I knew that from the word fucking go. They even had Braun Breaker break the old NXT logo on the Minitron down there when he pulled the chains right before he did kick the Styrofoam X. But I have people telling me that Shawn Michaels is still in charge. You gotta be the dumbest fuck on the face of the planet if you think Shawn Michaels okayed that on his own volition. You have to be the dumbest fucking idiot I have ever seen. Shawn Michaels did not approve that. Shawn Michaels did not write for that to happen. That came from Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard as a direct edict to be in the show. Didn't come from HBK. It didn't come from William Regal. It didn't come from Matt Bloom. It didn't come from anybody. Road Dog, Jeremy Borash. Didn't come from some high-end executive down there in Orlando. No. Didn't come from any of those. I could have told you that. In fact, I have. That absolutely was a fucking hideous and appalling statement by Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. One that makes me hate them both even more. Because according to them, what they're doing is right. And what Paul Levesque, Triple H, did is no more. It didn't work. He failed. And now we have to embarrass the black and gold. You didn't, you didn't only embarrass the black and gold and everything that Triple H worked so valiantly to bring to the spotlight. You pretty much slapped everybody that worked for that brand in the fucking face. Everybody. Do they care? No, of course not. You slapped every talent that worked and put their blood, sweat, and tears into that brand. You slapped them across the face and you said, fuck you. For every fan that bought NXT merchandise, for every fan that bought a ticket to take over, for every fan that sat in Full Sail University every single fucking week, you told them to go fuck off. This runs deeper than just sending a fucking message to Triple H. WWE sent a message, not only to Triple H, they sent a message, Vince and Bruce sent a message to single-handedly every single fucking person that ever supported 
what the black and gold stood for. Absolutely appalling. And Triple H didn't do anything. Triple H didn't do anything. This guy's vision was the way. And all he has to show for it is a brand that is now fucking dead. While his father-in-law and Bruce Pritchard were the ones to give Paul Levesque a cardiac event. Which will be the next thing that's fucking reported. Why is Triple H and his cardiac event being so secretive? Because Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard actively gave Triple H his cardiac event. They should be almost considered murderers, to be honest with you. If you don't think those two men gave Triple H that heart attack, you got to be a fucking complete shill. Because that's exactly what it is. What it is. Every single fucking piece of manpower that was there in NXT single-handedly gone because they had affiliation with Triple H. He developed the best team in this industry to give us the best brand in all of pro wrestling, and now it was single-handedly wiped away because of sheer jealousy. Because Vince McMahon's team was worried about Triple H gaining more and more and more and more power. Can't have Triple H run the company while I'm still alive. Vince McMahon would rather give the company to fucking a con man in Nick Khan than bestow it upon Triple H and his lovely daughter, his beautiful wife, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. It's unbelievable to me, man. It really is unbelievable to me. Ringside news. Think of ringside news what you want, man. They haven't gotten an exclusive wrong as long as I've been reading their website. Ringside News in an exclusive to their website. Asked around about this situation and it was 100% confirmed to us that this is the only, this is not only about removing Triple H's power and people, but it was also personal. WWE was cleaning out all of Triple H's influence in NXT. We were told here at Ringside News by a tenured member of the writing team on the main roster that it feels personal because it is. It feels personal because it is. We were told you are not a conspiracy theorist. It was Triple H's people, specifically Triple H's people, and it was all done intentionally. This personal shot at Triple H also included Braun Breaker smashing the old black and gold style NXT logo, which was a bigger shot than Cody Rhodes destroying the throne at double or nothing with a sledgehammer. I want you guys to be very well aware that this is bigger than Cody Rhodes destroying a fucking throne with a sledgehammer. Scotty Tuhati had the following to say about the direction. Of NXT. This is in the same interview with Chris Van Vliet. Well, it might be different now, but when I left a month ago, they want young. I know that they are doing tryouts for people who have never done this before. They are hiring all these college athletes. I have always said that you can't reach or you can't teach, rather. You can't teach passion. You need passion to do this. No matter how much money you're making, If you're on the road doing 200 shows a year and you're traveling, which adds about 50 days, 
you're looking at at least 200 to 300 days a year on the road. No matter what you're making in money, you need passion. I think at some point it will swing back the other way and they will go, where are the men at? We need men. And then you will see a bunch of guys who come in who are a little bit older and more experienced. Putting green on green on live television can be dangerous. That's Bruce Pritchard of Vince McMahon's mentality, man. They want a bunch of young, failed NFL football players turn pro wrestlers on their television. It's exactly what they want. They want people who failed in other aspects of real sports to come do their fucking make-believe cosplay professional wrestling. The make-believe cosplay professional wrestling that Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard think is professional wrestling, but it's not. What a complete fucking disaster this all is. What is going on here? Sean Ross sat. Joe released. <laughs> Samoa Joe has been released by the WWE, man. I what, what did I say by it? By six months? Samoa Joe released. By WWE, man. Is it not what I'm telling you? Is it not what I'm telling you? Is it not what I'm telling you? It's unbelievable to me. I I didn't, I didn't even, bro, listen, Jesse texted me. Jesse legitimately texted me, man. I, I saw him texting me. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to him. I thought it was something that I said that he didn't agree with. I had no fucking idea that Samoa Joe was going to get released. I just willed it into existence, and then boom, legitimately, Samoa Joe released. It's unbelievable. It, I, I don't believe it, man. I, I really, I really don't believe it. December. December saw Jeff Hardy released. Jeff Hardy wasn't really a Triple H, a Triple H act. Had nothing to do with NXT. He just walked out on his own. He was fed up. He's fed up with what was going on. Starting in November, WWE released Ashante Adonis, Top Dollar, Drake Maverick, Tegan Knox, Jackson Riker, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Shane Thorne. What is the one thing that they all have in common? They were all a part of Triple H's NXT. If you don't think that was done by design, you're a complete fucking idiot. The only name on that list that was not NXT, that WWE fucked up on their own because their creative is fucking terrible, is John Morrison. November 4th, WWE released Keith Lee, Karrion Cross. Two of the biggest names in NXT while Triple H was still there. What did they have in common? They were ingrained in the Triple H NXT. Nia Jax was also released, but let's be real. Nia Jax was a fucking reality TV superstar wanting to be a pro wrestler who was nothing more than a walking botch. She was also NXT as well, but uh, I think she was released for being terrible as a pro wrestler. WWE, in the same month, 
released Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Ember Moon, Eva Marie, which somebody in that company realized, uh, this, this bitch sucks. Let's get rid of her. Mia Yim, Harry Smith, Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metalik, Jeet Rama, Katarina Cortez, Trey Baxter, Jada Ramir, Jesse Kamea, B-Fab, Oni Lorkin, Frankie Monet, and Scarlett Bordeaux. Every single one of these names, minus Nia Jax and Eva Marie, you could even make sense of Nia Jax being a part of the old NXT because she was called up. But not really. Not going to lump her into that. All of these names, what do they have in common? They were a part of Triple H's NXT. August 6th, WWE released Bobby Fish, Bronson Reed, who was the North American champion at one point. He beat Johnny Gargano for the North American championship in a great match. He got a main roster tryout match, which I don't know why he needed a main roster tryout match. Watch him on fucking television. He got a tryout match, and that was the death of Bronson Reed. Oh, he's too fat. Oh, he doesn't look the way we want. Oh, get rid of him. Had him drop the NXT North American title to swerve. Before you know it, he was gone. Then he comes out and says that Triple H had plans for him to hold the North American title well into the new year. No, but he was released because WWE was looking for younger, faster, somebody that didn't weigh 350 pounds. They got rid of him because he was a Triple H project. Bronson Reed, Bobby Fish, Mercedes Martinez, Tyler Rust. They just put him in Diamond Mine. He was released. Leon Ruff, Kona Reeves, Jake Atlas, Ari Sterling, Desmond Troy, Asher Hale, Zachariah Smith, and Giant Zangier. What do all of them have in common? They were all a part of Triple H's NXT. Bray Wyatt was released on July 31st. He was NXT before he became what we know of him today. He was made in NXT. This was happening well before I was even talking about it. Bray Wyatt was one of the future pieces to this company and WWE with one loss to John Cena at WrestleMania 30. Fed him to John Cena. He was never the same again. He won the WWE Championship in a, uh, in a great elimination chamber match only to then beat John Cena and AJ Styles the following SmackDown in a triple threat match only to lose the championship to Randy Orton only for Randy Orton to lose the WWE Championship to Jinder Mahal which then almost crippled SmackDown beyond the point of repair. Bray Wyatt from there was dead. He comes back as the Fiend and WWE killed his gimmick before it even started. Never to recover again. They've seen a cash cow. They've seen instant money. Let's make this money off him now. Took his creative freedom. Fired him. At the end of the day, Wyndham was a Dusty Rhodes project. Dusty Rhodes was NXT. So that would make Wyndham a Triple H NXT project. 
Killian Dane, gone. NXT. Kurt Stallion, August Gray, gone. Triple H, NXT. Marina Shafir, the Bollywood Boys, Tyler Breeze, Arturo Rujas, Tony Nese, Aria Davari, Ever Rise. Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy, Ruby Riot, Santana Garrett, Jessamine Duke, Andrade, Lars Sullivan, Steve Cutler, Samoa Joe was released last year on April 15th, only to be released again January 6th, 2022. Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Chelsea Green, Tucker Knight, Kalisto, Bo Dallas, and Wesley Blake. What do all of them have in common? They were a part of Triple H's NXT. This company would be better off if Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard were dead. I didn't say it. CM Punk did. They've killed the greatest creation that they had in decades because of jealousy, pettiness, and absolute fucking greed of power. The only thing that I'm looking forward to is to see this entire fucking project fail. Because there's no one else left to blame. Samoa Joe's gone. Triple H, gone. William Regal, gone. Samoa Joe, as of today, gone. Because he was brought back by Paul Levesque. Because Vince fucked him up. Shawn Michaels will be next. Shawn Michaels will be gone. I will be shocked if Shawn Michaels is still employed with this company. Oh, they won't fire a Hall of Famer. They absolutely would. They absolutely would. But Shawn Michaels is going to be safe for now. It would be blatantly, I mean, it's blatantly obvious now, but it would be absolutely blowing the door wide open about what their fucking agenda is if they fired Shawn Michaels. So Shawn Michaels, they know. And Shawn Michaels is going to continue making a paycheck against his morals and his beliefs because that's exactly what he's been forced to do now. They'll keep Shawn Michaels around to continue the facade that he's in charge. He's going to be their nice little dancing puppet at the end of the day. He's going to do and say what they want. He's going to be the PR guy and bullshit to you when we know exactly what he's saying. is nothing more than a manufactured company response. Shawn Michaels will remain. Because, like I said, it would be too obvious if Shawn Michaels was fired. But eventually, everybody meets their maker. Matt Bloom will be gone. Sarah Del Rey will be gone. Terry Taylor, the Red Rooster, will be gone. Norman Smiley will be gone. They will all be gone. Borash, he'll be gone. Jeremy Bledsoe, they're going to roll it out slowly but surely, man. They're going to have their fucking, they're going to take their time. They're going to have their, they're going to have their fun. They're going to roll this shit out periodically just so that they get it off or get themselves off little by little. Because if they did it at one time, it wouldn't be fun for them. They're having such a fuck. They're having a party. 
in Orlando or in Stanford. I could see Vince right now in Stanford, Connecticut, man. Legitimately, he's 25 minutes up by 95 here. I, I, I could go to Stanford, Connecticut. This guy's popping champagne, and he's having a fucking ball in Titan Tower with Bruce Pritchard right now. Right now. I don't know, man. Just give me my fucking credit. Seriously. I don't want anybody in this community to ever doubt me again. You don't like what the fuck you hear, man? Go listen to somebody else who's going to lie and fucking run around in circles by uh, giving you the wrong answer. And something you want to hear, but not what you need to hear. It's not what we do here. Go listen to somebody else. You don't like my take on pro wrestling because it's too real. You want to stay within your bubble and you don't want to hear the truth, right? Go listen to somebody else. I will always, 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 always tell you exactly what it is. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong on this. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man. If I could play the goddamn Powerball and be this correct and hit all the numbers plus the Powerball, I'd still be on here $500 million richer making everybody in this fucking community look like a fucking idiot. We're about to go over the Super Chats right now, man. Thank you for the 2600 live on this random Thursday afternoon, man. I appreciate you guys very, very much. You guys, uh, you hit the thumbs up and you've gotten us to 1300 likes. I appreciate you. We got two new members. We got two new members of the OTS family tonight. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate you. And we're going to go over the super chats in just a second. Follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Blue Chew. BlueChew.com is tonight's sponsor, man. Blue Chew is the unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets. They come at a fraction of the cost. You could take them anytime, day or night. You can even plan ahead so you guys can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is very simple. You sign up. At BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA. They are prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. You know, first impressions are always the most important to me, man. You always want to make a good first impression. But what about those lasting impressions? That's what really counts as well. So if you guys can benefit from that extra confidence when it's time to perform, why not give Blue Chew a try? We've got a special deal for all of our listeners tonight on Off The Script. Use promo code JD at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. Use code promo JD at checkout for your first month free. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring tonight's Off The Scripts. Super Chats, man. We got a $5 Super Chat from Kairos. Yo, JD, I don't always catch the streams live, but when I do watch the videos every week, uh, you are very entertaining. Keep up the good work, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Kairos. Greg the Groove drum covers with a $9.99 Super Chat. Something went down within the McMahon family. We're not privy to. I don't buy Triple H losing to AW is the reason. It's possible Triple H has marital problems. 
or cheated with an NXT talent and Vince McMahon killed it. No, I don't think that's the case at all. It's all, it all comes down to power. Greg. Triple H was going to be the man to run WWE. They didn't want that. So they set him up for failure. Ulysses Smith with a five-dollar super chat. Just accepted, people. JD's the best and rarely ever wrong. The signs were all there, but these shills didn't care because WWE can do no wrong. And then you all hate JD. Yes, Ulysses. Thank you, man. Austin Bros with a 199 super chat. JD speaking facts on the daily. Love you, bud. Thank you so much, man. Chris J Productions with a Z. With a 199 and a 99 cent super chat. Thank you, Chris. We had a re-up for four months. I don't know who it was. It doesn't really give a name. But then they say message retracted. Who was it? I don't know. Whoever you are, re-upping for four months. Thank you. Chris J Productions with a 199 super chat. WWE sucks. I've been saying this since 2017. Also, put the lotion in the basket. Von Wagner, says Chris. Thank you, man. Zach JD with a 499 Super Chat. You think WWE would have seen something great in Keith Lee when their beloved Roman Reigns gave him his approval at Survivor Series in 2019? Yeah, Zach, you'd think. Keith Lee was actually reportedly a favorite of Vince McMahon's and then... The timeline being correct, Triple H fucked up. So then that means everything revolving around Triple H or anything having to do with Triple H was going to be exiled and punished. Keith Lee was a part of those casualties. Troy Turner with a $5 super chat. I don't know how Triple H is still working for Vince when the orange leather-faced tool shed is actively destroying his legacy. I have no idea, bro. He's not going to go anywhere. He's now subservient to Vince McMahon. He's got no power, no notes, no say, no voice or anything. They cut him off at every twist and turn. I, I'm going to try to pronounce this, man. I, I, I'm going to fuck this up. Mordridzikon with a $10 super chat. Would you agree that WWE's financial health is an illusion? Because the TV and Peacock deals they're relying on will probably not renew at the same dollar amount or at all. Uh, Yeah, I think it is an illusion. I don't think they're going to get anywhere close to the amount that they're making now. After these five years are over, bro, that's it. You think Fox is happy with the ratings that they're giving? Fox Network? No way. You think USA Network is pleased? Absolutely not. And then you become a new member, bro. Thank you so much, man. Heidi Hoffman with a $20 super chat. Vine has always seemed embarrassed. Well, you mean Vince. You said Vine. Vince has always seemed embarrassed that he comes from professional wrestling, has actively tried to make it something else. He ruined it because of his own insecurity. So sad. Yeah, he did. Vince hates professional wrestling, man. We've been seeing it, watching this product for decades. Vince has tried to change every aspect of what professional wrestling should be and make it into his own. 
Gyro Gonzalez with 20 in Mexican pesos. Imagine Thatcher versus Danielson in AEW. No, thank you. No, thank you at all, man. Thatcher would go back to the Indies, let him go do what he's got to do there. No more in AEW. CC Nation with a $5 super chat. While Triple H is in the hospital bed reading his get well wishes, Vince is secretly firing his staff. How kind of the old man. Well, Triple H was seen at the new sites or the construction site for the new WWE headquarters. So he is doing better from what I saw. But Vince and Triple H and uh, and Bruce, something happened there. And I, I, I honestly believe that Vince and Bruce gave Triple H the, the cardiac event that was reported. I mean, how could you not think that? Look at what they're doing. Scott Woodford with a 499 Super Chat. Fuck Bruce and Vince. I agree. Stick World Mayor with a $2 Super Chat. All hail the king of the IWC. Suck it, geeks. Thank you, Stick World. CC Nation with a $5 Super Chat. WWE will only change if one of these two things happen. WWE goes bankrupt, Vince dies, and neither of those things will be happening for a while. Heidi Hoppin with another $20 Super Chat. Follow me for a minute. Do you think on any terms, Bruce and Nick are actively taking advantage of a declining man, preying on his ego to surgically remove family and anyone who truly cares about him to take over the company? Now, you're really, you're really diving into the fucking rabbit hole with that one, Heidi. I, I have no idea. I'm only, I'm only concerned about what, what is happening to Triple H right now. Seems like Nick Khan is trying to actively destroy the company. I feel like Nick Khan has way too much power. I feel like Vince has given Nick Khan way too much trust and power at this given time. I don't know why you would give somebody that is not family like that, that type of power. But it's all for the almighty dollar. That's all they care about. Flamio with a 1999 Super Chat. Haven't donated in a while, but just know I always watch, brother. Also, just both of my new shirts, LTB shirt. Just got both of your new shirts. And if anyone hasn't gotten one yet, get ahead and order yourself one, guys. By the way, JD has been right since 2013. Thank you, Flamio. Those shirts are fucking quality, man. Seriously. Bonfire does excellent work. And uh, if you guys want to go listen to Flamio and go get yourself some t-shirts, man, by all means, go get yourself some t-shirts and represent the podcast. Brian with a 199 Super Chat. Regardless of everything, Triple H tried to bury CM Punk. I'm, I don't care. I don't care about who Triple H tried to bury. Peter Lynn R- Rene with a $10 super chat. Proverbs 11.29. He who troubles his own house will inherit wind, and the foolish will be servants to the wise-hearted, meaning that WWE will end up with nothing in the end. I hope they do. I hope they do. Ulysses Smith with a $5 super chat. It's, it's shameful... Of me to keep on watching WWE after all they've done. This is the final nail in the coffin for me. NXT was all I enjoyed with WWE. AEW only now. Well, you're, you're joining the rest of them, bro. Jesse Jesse said last night, we talked about the William Regal stuff for a little bit. 
it doesn't it doesn't bother him as much anymore because he's stopped caring. So when something like this happens, A, he expected it, and B, he doesn't have that level of investment like he used to, and he doesn't care. It doesn't bother him when he hears and sees news like this. They've turned off a lot of people, man. I, I honestly thought the William Regal stuff was a terrible public relations move. I really do. Oz and Glorious with a $10 super chat. Stop watching when Nitro died. Until people stop watching WWE altogether in droves, they'll continue shitting all over and insulting their fans. Thank God for AEW. You were right 100%. Thank you, Oz. I wish people would stop watching WWE. I really would. That's where it would hurt them most, honestly. Brandon Goolidge with a 999 Super Chat. Hey, JD, enjoy the podcast. Curious, who sings the Breaking the Silence song? Wanted to edit to my playlist. Any chance the four horsewomen get released since they came from Triple H's NXT or Paige, maybe? Bro, they're not. They're not releasing Sasha, Becky, Charlotte, or Bailey. Though they were made. Though they were made in in Triple H's NXT, which it really doesn't make any sense. They want to remove everything that Triple H did. And and you could see that those four women are the biggest stars in the women's division. But if you look at the women's division in general, where did the women's revolution start under Triple H's watch? Who started the women's revolution? Triple H, NXT did. Why do you think there is such a hideous, creative direction and terrible just all-around women's wrestling on the main roster? That is their way of killing Triple H and his women's revolution. They're not going to actively get rid of Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, or Bailey. No way. Come on. Malka Taylor with a five-dollar super chat. I won't be surprised if Disney buys WWE. Never a dull moment, brother. Been a fan for two years now, and you speak the truth. Fan from Jamaica. Thank you, Malka. All the way from Jamaica, man. Justin Stripling with a nine ninety-nine super chat. I've been losing brain cells when people say that NXT two point is better, and they love what Vince is doing. They're ignorant shows when all they say is that they're happy Triple H is no longer in charge. Uh, Justin, just completely block those people on social media, please. Do not engage with such retards on social media. They are absolutely fucking ridiculous, man. Do not engage in that type of bullshit on social media. Guys, it's dinner time. Tonight I'm cracking open a cold beverage, man. Tonight I'm cracking open maybe two cold beverages. Thank you for all your support, man. We had 2,700 people in the venue on a Thursday. I love this sport, man, and I feel so bad for Triple H. If I could, if I could have five minutes of that guy's time, man, to tell him what I, what I feel and what he did, how it resonated, I'd love that. Jonathan Gastello with a 499 super chat. In all honesty, I completely gave up on WWE, and it's because of stuff like this. Only way I know. About what happens is through you, man. Thank you, JD. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate you, bro. Guys, listen. Listen, man. 
I will be back on Friday. Smackdown, Rampage, tomorrow night. Before I get out of here, man, before I roll these windows up, I need two things from me. I need, number one, those guitar emojis in the chat. And number two, I need that music on max. Guys, I'll see you live tomorrow night. Off the script, right here. With the Smackdown and Rampage post show on OTS. I'll see you guys later.